You are now tuned into Shotgun Sports USA. Powered by Winchester. Recorded in the U.S. And streaming all over the world. We talk to shotgun shooters from all disciplines, championship winning coaches, gun clubs, world-class target setters, vendors, and industry-leading companies that fuel the sport. If you are into clay target sports, you are at the right place. For insider information from some of the best in the world every single week. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and connect with us on social media. You can also catch our episodes on ShotgunSportsUSA.com. Being a brand name in the clay target industry, Rick Hemingway has said, Have you ever noticed almost all major sporting events are being run by pro-matic traps? Think about that statement for a minute. He's right, and you may want to consider that before making your next purchase. Rick is the largest Promatic dealer specializing in individual and commercial trap sales. Rick provides skeet, trap, five stamp, and sporting clays, designs, installs, and service. He also offers accessories such as solar panels, wireless release systems, as well as the hottest item on the market, the Claybot by Renair Products. Visit www.backwoodsquailclub.com or give him a call at 843-546-546. 1466. Castellani shooting vests are manufactured in Italy and internationally recognized by elite shooters as the most popular lightweight shooting vests on the market. Castellani vests are especially known for their Italian styling and superior craftsmanship and quality, making them a vest of choice for all shooting disciplines. Ultimate Shooting Accessories is the exclusive supplier of Castellani vests in the United States. Visit ultimateshootingaccessories.com for more information and to place your order. My guest today is a professional shooter and coach out of Texas. He was a former member of the PSCA and travels the U.S. shooting on the NSCA Winchester Championship Tour. Please welcome Theo Ribs. Theo, welcome to the show. Hey, JB. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess this is the second time I've been on. Yeah. A uh, few, few things have changed since uh, you guys had me on a couple years ago, so uh, I'm looking forward to digging into that. Yeah, I was going to say it's been a while since we talked, but how's everything been going? Man, everything's been going well. Um, season's been okay. Um, yeah. Wish it would have had gone a little bit better to this point. Obviously, we got a few more championships uh, to change that. Obviously, the big one at the end of the year, the Nationals. Right. Um, think uh, changing guns midseason um, has been a little bit uh, difficult, but I'm starting to, you know, pick up the pace now and uh, building some confidence with the gun in myself. You've been shooting all over the country this year. I mean, <laughs> you've been in Georgia and you've been in, I mean, where were you just at? Montana or something like that? Yeah, I was just in Montana. I know you're the, the Northeast, and you've just been all – I've seen you all over. Um, what's been your favorite tournament so far and why? I'd probably say the Wisconsin shoot, the uh, North Central Regional was yeah. probably my favorite. Um, I thought the targets were really good. 
Um, nothing like crazy over the top, but there was some stretches in there that could ruin a, a scorecard for you, which, <laughs> uh, which it did for a lot of people. It did. So, so uh, but good, good birds. They were solid. Um, you know, Joe Finese shot a pair of 96s, which was pretty stout. Yeah. Um, and totally deserved to win, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, I would say that's been probably my favorite tournament so far. The weather was great. Um, and I'd never been up there to shoot before. So, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was, it was different for sure. You know, it, everything seemed to be in a cornfield, which is, which is neat to me. <laughs> and, and I mean, and if you were too short, sometimes you may have a problem hitting, <laughs> hitting them or seeing some of the targets. But yeah, no. Yeah, it, yeah, they were, they were, I thought they were excellent. They were just, you could, you can miss them easily. You know? Oh they, yeah. I thought they were great targets. So. Yeah. I mean, the five stand obviously was kind of the deal that everybody had a little issue with. Um, mm -hmm. other than that, uh, I thought main, the main event targets were great. Um, yeah. they had some really cool terrain there and, uh, and I, I liked it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you said you changed guns just a second ago. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, I went back to shooting a Beretta DT 11. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to shoot one from 2013 to 15 and I had a lot of success with it. It's probably the gun I shot the best right. and most consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I liked shooting the Kohler. It was, uh, for me, it was just a little bit tough. To, it seemed like I couldn't shoot it consistently well. I would put up, you know, some big numbers here and there, but I was more looking looking for consistency. And as you know, in this game, that's pretty much everything. All right. Yep. Um. So that that's what I was looking for, and I decided to uh, get a DT11 from Rich Cole and and uh, start start going to work on that and i'm actually going to do a uh custom stock with him in the off season um yeah it's hard it's hard to get away from a beretta <laughs> you know no they're they're great guns man <laughs> they are you know obviously their barrel technology is second to none i think obviously the best patterning gun in the sport right um and i, I just like the way it moves the triggers are great um i mean if you are moving from say a, a craig off or a kohler and you want mechanical triggers, Rich can turn those triggers into mechanical triggers, which is pretty amazing. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I did, I did some research about it, and I didn't know prior, and I watched a video of him, you know, turning those triggers into mechanical triggers, and I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, it is. That's That brings up a, a good topic, and a, a confidence plays a huge role in, in a shooter's success. So how does someone build confidence in themselves and their equipment? Um, I just think it, it comes in preparation. You know, the, the more you're practicing and the, the more you're practicing well, and if you can turn that practice into, you know, consistent good results in competition, I think then that's where you start to uh, gain confidence in yourself. And, you know, if you obviously have a hole in your game or something, you can, you know, not everybody can, but, you know, some people can go set that target and work on that target and turn it into a strength. And it's all about just trying to obviously minimize mistakes and strengthen your weaknesses and, until you 
have confidence in your game and you can go out there and execute under pressure in competition. Yeah. And changing guns, like, like we just spoke about, confidence in your new gun takes a while. How can you quickly build confidence in your gun or can you? Man, that, it's, it's really hard. Um, the biggest thing for me was when I got the new DT-11, it came with an adjustable comb and I couldn't get the gun to shoot where I was looking without canning the gun. And so I had to, you know, do a pattern stock in the meantime, you know, just to try and get the gun shooting where I was looking without canning it Mm -hmm. and then focus on, you know, hitting birds after that. But it's a, you know, it's a process. It's something I actually talked to Zach Keenbaum about, um, was to not rush that part of the process, um, to get the gun right for me. And to to build confidence after that, um, I, at the end of the day, I know I have the talent to, to do well. I've done it before, so right. It's just building confidence in the gun again, and then sort of using that momentum and to keep building more momentum after that. Yeah. Well, you've been coaching, and <laughs> I'm sure that some of your students probably talk about that. How was how was your coaching going, and and where are you coaching out of? Uh, it's going good so far. Um, I coach coach a lot of kids. Um, mm-hmm. Coach a lot of kids on the Jerping Springs High School shooting team. That's the high school I actually went to yeah. here in Texas. And uh, I enjoy it, man. To uh, Actually, one of my students last year, he won D-class main event at the Nationals. And I had started working with this kid from the time he first picked up a gun. So to see him you know, starting to pick up steam and, and get better and build confidence in himself and know that I'm been a part of that. Yeah. You know, obviously it makes you feel good about yourself. Right. Um, so no, it, it, I love it. Uh, I love, um, just being a student of the game and, and listening to other guys too, you know, other coaches, whether it's Anthony or Dan or whoever, and, and, you know, using some of their terminology in my lessons and, and you know things like that yeah how does that i mean you've been you've been coached by some of the best in the game uh yeah how is how does being coached by them help you coach people well the biggest thing is you got you have to understand not only you know what they're telling you but i feel like you have to be able to execute it yourself right right to fully in my opinion to fully understand something you got to be able to go out and do it yourself. So if your student is not completely understanding what you're trying to tell them, you can show them. Some people are visual people and they need to see it with their own eyes to understand how to exactly do that. So, and that's where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to tell these students that I'm teaching these things, I need to be able to execute them on demand myself so I can show them and not only tell them. Yeah. There are some coaches I know of that mm-hmm. can't do that. Right. <laughs> so yeah. how, how does, I think that just holds credibility in the coach, you know, being I able agree. to do what you, what you, what you're trying to show them how to do. So yeah, for for sure. You understand it at, at every level then, right? right? Mm-hmm. Once you can do it yourself, you fully grasp the concept that you're trying to teach them. You know, if you, if you got somebody that's sitting there, 
you know, telling you to, you know, do something just because they heard, you know, some pro say it or whatever. Well, dude, you don't really quite understand <laughs> yeah. the whole concept fully, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just took a lesson with, in my opinion, uh, and probably a lot of people's opinions, one of the best coaches in the, in the country or world or however you want to say it, um, yep. which was Anthony Matarese Jr. How was that experience for you, and, and what are some things that you have learned from him? I would say it was definitely one of the best lessons I've taken. And, you know, I've worked with Dan and Bill McGuire, you know, Dan Carlisle and Bill McGuire previously. Um, Anthony was, in terms of, how he could explain something and really get you to understand it with different metaphors or analogies or whatever. And that, that was the biggest thing. You know, I was struggling with uh, a few things. I had a little bit too much weight on my front foot. I had a little bit too much pressure in my hands and the way he explained it to me to, so I could really understand what he meant. And then I could go back home and practice these things and know that I was doing them correctly every single time. That was the biggest difference in my opinion. You know, Dan is unbelievable with getting you to, to visually uh, see the birds well, and then to understand how to connect and, and break away from the bird. And Anthony was just a little bit different on the, the technical side and the fundamental part where, I was struggling. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pressure in your hands. I've always had an issue with that, mm -hmm. you know, holding on to the gun too tight. And I, I don't know yep. why I do that. I think it's just cause I think it's going to fall out of my hands and I don't think, right. that it, you know, <laughs> if you really think about it, it probably won't, but how, yeah. how important is that? It, I didn't realize how important it was. Um, because it was a big issue for me for a long time and I kind of just got away with it. Um, but yeah, I used to grip the gun so tight and it affects it from the standpoint is sometimes you're not as smooth on the trigger as you want, or you're not moving with the bird as smooth as you want. So, you know, if you're pulling the trigger and it's jerky, that moves the barrel, mm -hmm. which in effect, it, you know, affects the pattern on the way to the target. So, yeah, but the biggest thing for me was to, okay, well, I don't want to get to the point where my hands are so loose that I don't feel like I'm in control of the gun. So, you know, that was where we had to kind of break it down so I could really understand what I needed to fill my hands. So I had a sense of security with moving, you know, with moving the gun. Do you plan on taking any more lessons with him? Yeah, definitely. Um, whenever he gets an opening, which is obviously <laughs> really hard <laughs> yeah. to find. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I I definitely, you know, it's something that I think maybe annu annually or you know twice a year, something like that. I would uh, definitely like to do. You believe that to be a top shooter, you have to be a complete shooter. Explain to yep. me what you mean by this. Um, what I mean by that is you have to you know be able to kind of execute every method um that's out there whether that's you know pull away or even come you know letting the bird beat you and come from behind or maintain or collapse or whatever you know you have to be able to to use 
you know, each and every tool confidently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many different birds nowadays, especially, you know, we're shooting 70s, 60s, raboos, rabbits, uh, you know, you name it. You know, the target setters are getting really good. And, you know, to obviously to, to compete at the highest level, you got to be able to do it all. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I meant by that. And that takes a while to get to. Yes. I yes, mean, it does. You know, that takes a lot of practice and a lot of coaching, a lot of good coaching to be able to understand mm-hmm. those targets. And and some people don't understand that, but it's it does take a lot. It's not something that happens overnight. No, and, you know, if you plan on taking this sport serious and, you know, you want to do well, you've got to dedicate yourself. And, you know, obviously nobody wins every shoot, so you don't let, you know, a few bad performances discourage you. Just keep grinding and working hard and, and, and working with guys that know what they're doing. And eventually, you know, usually people break through. Let's talk about the future of Sporting Clays. And this yep. is this is a topic wherever you go. Good, bad, indifferent. Everyone has an opinion on what needs to happen. What For is sure. what's your take on this topic? Yeah, uh, it's obviously a tricky topic, and we all have, like you said, different opinions on where we believe the sport needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, everything right now is so social media heavy and. And, you know, most of us are always on our phones nowadays, whether it's, you know, if you have kids or yourself or your wife or whoever, you know. And so with that being said, um, you know, people posting on social media or doing podcasts or, you know, just kind of, you know, lack of a better word, flooding, you know, social media with with content of shooting in obviously a positive way and a sport-driven way um, because obviously sport is so huge in the U.S. Um, and, I, and, you know, I think if we can continue to do that, uh, I, I think it'll only be a positive thing, you know, because, you know, the media spins firearms such in a negative way nowadays that you, we need to, to keep it positive and, and keep it, you know, in a sport kind of thing in my opinion yeah and hopefully one day we can get back to having another you know professional series and and get it on tv um but i think for now uh if we can all just keep uh keep the content pushing you know with guys like you and nick barry right you know you know just keep keep you know making videos and posts and you know and then you know, for the shooters, you know, for at shoots or whatever, you know, we need to do our best, um, obviously to post as well. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That needs to, I think the whole sport, I think everyone from the top to the bottom could do better mm-hmm. with social media. You know, it's, yeah. And yeah, I agree. Myself included too. I mean, I mean, even the NSCA, all of these people need to post good stuff about what's going on how you know how it happened who won uh mm-hmm. especially with the youth i think that that's yep. a a huge uh piece of the puzzle that we're missing and yeah and it don't take a lot it don't take a lot to do it you don't have to have some professional do it for you you know no it's a matter no, of, matter of fact i like to see posts that don't look professional you know sure i mean sure. it just makes it look you know 
all that more real. So, and I think maybe some people are hesitant to doing doing so because you know they don't want to post, you know, because maybe they don't feel like they quite know what they're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they you know people just have to do it and. The more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. So you just got to dive in head first at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You can't let that bother. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. uh, some exciting news is you were recently picked up by what I call the American legend. That's what they call themselves <laughs> too, which is Winchester. And yeah. you know, they're a hundred percent dedicated to shooting sports and yep. they want to be involved in the sport every, in every aspect, trap, skeet, sporting clays. How has it been to be a part of team Winchester? Uh, it has been awesome. So a lot of people don't know, I used to be sponsored by them back when I was a junior. So there's a few guys, um, that, you know, still work for team Winchester that were there when I was a junior shooter. Um, so it's cool to, you know, kind of get back with some of those guys, but in terms of just team Winchester as a whole, they're so great at making it sort of like a, a a team that feels sort of like a family. They're very good at uh, mm-hmm. communication, you know, whether it's email or our conference calls or, or whatever it is um, of any sponsor I've had in the sport, their communication skills are number one by far. And obviously that's a huge part, you know, because when you're not communicating, it's, it, you know, it just, you don't have that, you just don't have the, I don't know, it's not a right feel, but right. when you are communicating, um, it's awesome. Obviously they do a ton for the sport. Like you said, not only in sporting clays, but you know, traps, ski, free gun, yeah. the, the whole nine. So, you know, they are so dedicated and, you know, they're, you know, they're pretty darn good on social media and and just making the shooting sports uh positive and i i couldn't be more pleased to represent their company and obviously i'm super thankful to be a part of the team winchester has been rooted in your family for generations i mean this Mm -hmm. you know tell me how this ammo has been playing a role in your family and give me some history as you saw it growing up um well my great-grandfather um i didn't know him too well he passed away when i was three years old but as i'm told by my dad who was actually raised by him um when he was growing up uh you know cases of ammo were like i think 500 a case instead of 250 and he said you know when we went out when they went out quail hunting or dove hunting that's all they ever used is winchesters and so when my dad uh, retired from racing and he wanted to start competing. That's all I really ever shot was when was Winchester. And so to obviously get picked up by them, you know, as a pro shooter now, uh, you know, kind of just comes full circle. Um, and I, you know, I obviously, if I'm going to buy the ammo prior to even being sponsored by them, obviously I believe it's the best ammunition. Yeah. That's, that's what a lot I'm of people not, say. I'm not just saying that because now they sponsor me. What, uh, what load are you shooting? I shoot the ounce and a super handicap 1250 number eights. Mm-hmm. Have you tried the elite trap diamond grade yet? I have not tried that show yet. Actually. They make it in a one and a eight 1250. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, wow, man. 
probably that then. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what <I> said. <laughs> that's what I said. Donnie, I need to get some of that. So yeah. So he's got he's got me some coming. It's uh it's supposed to be a bad shell. So we'll try yeah, some of that out. Can't can't wait to try it, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you just you mentioned your dad a minute ago, and mm-hmm. you, I, I I find your dad interesting because uh, you know I grew up in racing, you grew up in racing, and he grew up racing, which is yep. you know, and he's driving the stuff that everyone wants to drive: the Formula One cars, NASCAR. I know he raced the Truck Series, the Indy cars. He even raced it at Daytona, and he raced it uh, the Indy Five Hundred. I mean, how did how did this career that your dad had, which is an amazing career, help shape you in the sport that you're in, which is sporting clays? Um, so growing up, you know, I never wanted to have what you call a regular job. Obviously, see my dad travel around the world and and uh, compete in racing, and that was always a goal of mine to be, you know, professional and in, in some kind of athletic aspect um and so i obviously knew whatever i did i had to dedicate myself and and, you know become a student of the game and and work extremely hard uh because that's what he did you know now whether that was uh training in terms of working out or staying on the phone and, and and getting sponsors and then when you get you know to the you know track or you know, what I do, the, the, the course, you know, you've got to focus a hundred percent and, uh, and give your best effort. And so he, you know, he just gave me all the tools in terms of to, to be able to speak to sponsors. Um, and then the work ethic side, uh, which obviously is the most important because if you're not working hard and <clears throat> you're not doing well, you're not going to get the sponsor that needs, uh, you need, you know, to, to go to the next level. So he, uh, he, he just, you know, it was kind of just sit back and, and be quiet and watch, you know, that was kind of my childhood just to to watch how he, you know, kind of ran his, you know, business in a way, um, and the things he did. And then I just try to translate that into what I do now. Yeah. You know, sponsorships and racing, I've always brought this up, especially people I talk to on a regular mm-hmm. basis, is the sponsorships in the racing in racing is nothing like sponsorships and shooting. It's no. it, it it is such a I mean it's unbelievable. I mean, you go to some of these races, of course, you, you know, your family's involved in we'll just call it circle track because you know, I'm I was involved in drag racing, which is straight. And yep. you can go to these tracks and the, in drag racing, the race teams host the sponsors, Yep. you know, it's not the sponsors hosting the race teams. So right. it's really unbelievable to watch how, uh, careful and how, uh, thought out the process is when it comes to the drivers and the teams, uh, having their sponsors come to the race with them. You know, it's really unbelievable. No, and they got it down to a science. They really know how to build relationships the right way. And that's what sponsorship's all about. You know, obviously, you got to be able to perform, but you also have to be able to build relationships with these people. And uh, to to where it's not an aspect of, you know, giving and receiving, but, 
yeah, that's part of it, but you have to, to you know, actually like the people you're dealing with right? Uh, uh, as well, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's what it's all about, you know, is getting along with them, promoting the product. I'm sure you'll get yep. some product to use what, whatever sport you're in, but uh, you have to promote the product and, and do a good job for them. In turn, they'll do one for you, you know. Exactly. So, what and they also made a document documentary about your dad, and uh, it's currently on Netflix. It's called Uppity, and yep. it's a a documentary of his life. Uh, I've, I've heard that it's a really good documentary. I've not watched it yet, but I want to watch it. Uh, how has it been for the both of you to see this played on one of the largest streaming networks in the world? Uh, it's been pretty amazing. I mean, the, my dad had always talked about it when I was a little kid, uh, that, you know, there was always different things, uh, talked about being, a you know, having a movie made about his, uh, racing life and to finally, you know, watch it happen. And, you know, I was there when most of it was recorded. Um, so to, to kind of get the behind the scenes, feel for it. I mean, it was, it's crazy. I, I honestly can't believe it. Um, it's been, you know, huge for my dad, you know, he's been on CNN and doing all kinds of different interviews and podcasts and all kinds of different things. And it's, uh, really awesome to see him get the, the recognition he deserves, you know, uh, he, he didn't get quite uh, exactly what he was looking for in his racing career in certain ways. Um, so to kind of get that on the back end for him was, uh, is really awesome. And now they're actually working on a Showtime series based on the documentary. Really? As well. Yep. So tell me a little bit about what this documentary is about. I mean, where does it start? Like when he's a kid or how, how does it start? Yeah. So, so, so it starts when, uh, when he's a kid and, uh, how he got introduced into the sport through my grandfather, um, and what funded my grandfather was our plumbing business, um, in California that his dad had started. And, uh, you know, my dad was, you know, going from track to track with my grandpa, um, on the weekends and, you know, he fell in love with this, with the sport at a young age and, you know, he uh, told his his parents that he wanted to go to England and and uh, start racing Formula Fords, which at the time was uh, the under series of Formula One, and that's where he won his first championship. And you know, the, kind of the the rest is history. So. When did he now? When did he stop racing the truck series? That was two thousand one. So he raced for about thirty years, pretty that's, solid. That's crazy. 30 years. Yep. Does he still go to some of these races? He actually raced this year. Um, he ran a series called SRX. It was the first year of the series of sort of a superstar series um, owned by uh, Tony Stewart, which obviously most people know, right. uh, you know, from NASCAR. And so he ran uh, six weeks straight uh, this summer and, uh, for 66, man, I'll give it up to him, man. He did, did a heck of a job um, to to just, you know, be there and, and run it weekend after weekend. And he said, you know, after the first race, he was pretty exhausted. But, you know, he's starting to build stamina, you know, towards the end of the series. Have you ever, I'm sure you have, but have you ever been in a, like a NASCAR, the riding drives they do? 
I've never, actually, I've never been in really <laughs> ride and drive of IndyCar or NASCAR or anything. I, I would love to. Yeah. Uh, but my dad's never, uh, you know, gotten to one and, you know, cause they have like two seater Indy cars that you can get in and, and, uh, take you around the track, but I've never done it yet. I was in a NASCAR one time, just riding. I just mm-hmm. rode a few laps. And when you get out, the, it's unbelievable at how wore out you feel. I don't know how those guys do it for five and 600 laps. It blows no, my it's, mind. It, it's crazy. I mean, you know, the G forces that they're pulling in their bodies for that amount of time, it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you're, you're talking four and a half, five to six G's, you know, in some of these corners yeah. and to do that over and over, you know, for a two hour period, that's, that's pretty nuts. And, you know, they got to be in shape for a reason. That's yeah. right. So do you, yeah. you and your dad still shoot? Does he still shoot with you? Uh, he hunts with me. Um, like when I go out and practice, sometimes he'll, he'll shoot with me every now and again. Um, yeah. but we do a lot of hunting together in the off season. Uh, we shoot a lot of doves together. We're actually going up to Idaho to go chucker and quail hunting in November. And then we shoot cranes every year. Um, so yeah, we, we, we hunt a lot. So yeah yeah that's kind of his his passion right now and actually he's uh been shooting some halise so he's been been uh-huh. liking shooting that, so <laughs> i hadn't seen him at a shoot this year i don't think has he been with you he was he was in georgia he was okay. there the only shoot he's been to this year yeah yeah um so so yeah i mean it was i mean that was the first shoot he you know he kind of goes about one a year now uh my girlfriend goes with me for the most part or i'll uh, go by myself but yeah but yeah you know that's part of getting older right that's right <laughs> all right well theo thanks for coming on man i appreciate your time and uh look forward to seeing you no, the thanks. next shoot yeah man thanks for having me on again and uh, i'll probably see you at nationals yeah man sounds good tell your dad i said hi i will all right see you bud